Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. This is an impromptu panel. And uh, so, what is that? Willing or unwilling? Well, you're up here, so I guess partly willing. Uh, and so if you don't know these folks, um, Kent Redding, as he introduced himself already, Andrew Fike, and then Lindley Prophet. So some of our own who have joined us up here today, and um, we have been studying as our Lenten journey, kind of our, our series going on, is practicing the way of Jesus. And what Alan was going to share on today was talking about reaching the marginalized, um, those who people just overlook, and, um, and that we, ha- we have all those have those in our lives. And so, and I think about it, I think about scripture, I think of when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, to love the Lord your God and to love others. And that's what we're called to do, is to love others with the same grace and mercy um, that we have each received from Jesus Christ. And so, again, practicing the way of Jesus, and if you're new to the vine, and I know some of you folks here, it's your first time today. Uh, our vision is very simple, and that is to follow Jesus together. And, um, and that's what I love about how this morning is going to shape out, because we're going to see and hear from these folks about how they are following Jesus, how they are loving those who might be just, as we, some of us might consider, outside of the margins. And hopefully we can all be encouraged by that. So, um, Kent, would you share just a little bit about the person specific person in your life that you've met and sure God, um so i know we all do it we drive by the intersection we we look at a disadvantaged person and you know just don't make eye contact right i've done it a gazillion times and we, and we all do it because we, we, we don't know how to make the first step and we don't know you know what to say or do um and uh, one day, I, was, I, was, I loved The Blind Side, the movie The Blind Side, and I was uh, driving down Bee Cave Road, and I um, uh, passed this um, person on the street. And maybe some of you guys have seen her. I'm not. She's at Lake Austin Boulevard now. But she wore a sheet over her. She was a panhandler. She didn't get up and go to the car. She just sat there with a basket and a sheet. And I've seen her a bunch, and I just, like, what's her story? I have no idea. But somehow that day... I was listening to The Blind Side, actually literally on um, a podcast, and there's a line in there where Miss Tui says, um, you know, we can't save them all, but it's kind of like popcorn. We just, um, you know, help the one that pops up in front of us, the hot one. And literally that was in, at that moment I was driving past her. So I don't know what happened. I just turned around, parked in the church parking lot, walked across the street, bent down and said, hey, my name's Kent. What's yours? And her name is Tony. And that just changed everything that day. Once you know someone's name, they're no longer just this, eh, what's wrong with them, you know? Tony, that's her name. So I got down and sat down and talked to her. And she's amazing. She's funny. She's about, she's an African-American lady, probably in the mid-50s or something like that. She's awesome. We started a relationship that's now three or four years old. Um, matter of fact, I text her to tell her that what we were doing today um, and what's grown out of that is, um, you know, God tearing down barriers, me feeling more comfortable with, hey, what's your name? And, and starting other relationships. And, you know, it's really not about me, obviously, but it's about God's work, you know, through us, even chuckleheads uh, working through us. And what's fun about Tony now, though, is 
I talk to her all the time about, she's a terrible panhandler. She's awful. She wears this sheet over her and never gets up. And she wonders why I don't really make any money. And one day I came by and in her, in her, in her basket was a broken pair of sunglasses. That was her catch for the day. And uh, so, but I'm able to talk with her openly like that and joke and she thinks it's funny. And I say, hey, you got to get better, girl. We got to get some marketing skills and we got to get, we got to get you going. And um, so, I know, sorry, long story, but that really opened my eyes to uh, showing how we love God, you know, by loving others. Awesome. Thank you, Kent. And Lindley? What? <laughs> Go ahead, sure. <laughs> okay. Um, if someone is chronically homeless, they should take the coordinated assessment. The city has a system in place to track the vulnerability of the homeless and place them on housing waiting lists. Um, there's a lot of resources. There's things like if you see a veteran, our city has ended homelessness for veterans. So that person has a voucher, a Section 8 voucher that's available for them. Um, if they just follow the system. So the follow-up question is, how do you take the coordinated assessment? Um, there's four places in the city that you can take it. And maybe what would be cool is um, we can post on the Vines website where you can take the coordinated assessment. And you are welcome to go with a person. Um, it's like going to a dentist. You've got to sign up. There's a, there's a wait time. So it can be kind of, there's some barriers there. Um, but you can go with someone and kind of help them get through that process, but that would be the best thing, practically. Um, I think the other thing, Kent, I'll let Kent say the other part. I'm going to tag one other thing. What I learned brutally uh, by not doing it well is you ask them what they want. I mean, we all have these assumptions of they just want money, they just want mm -hmm. alcohol, they just want orange juice, they, you know, let's throw some socks at them, let's throw some more socks at them. How about a Nutty Buddy bar? You know, we, that's, that's what we think. And what I learned from Tony and uh, changed everything is every time I see her, I stop and ask, what do you want? What is your mm -hmm. hardest struggle today? And she'll say, I like cottage cheese and I want some yogurt. And then I go get what she wants and brings it back. And for me, it just, it just, it just flipped the switch a little bit. Mm. And you know what I love about that, and we'll come yeah, to Lindley in a second. Oh, I was just going to say what I love about that is we look through Scripture. Don't we see Jesus doing just that? Yeah. I mean, walk up, he knew people's needs, but he would ask them, what do you need? Right. And I love how he engaged that and that, how that is a powerful question in our mystery. Go ahead, Lindley. I'm not open to questions, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> this is way out of my comfort zone being up here. So um, this isn't my story why I'm here today, but to okay. piggyback on both of you guys, mm -hmm. there's a guy that our family's trying to get to know. He hangs out a lot on William Cannon close to Mopac. And exactly, ask him what, he, what did he need. His biggest need was shoes. So I asked him his shoe size, and I'm like, I'll get you a pair of shoes. Now, unfortunately, I, the shoes are in my car, and I haven't seen them since I bought the shoes, but they don't always need, yes, they need water and food, but hmm. what are their needs? You know, he just needed that's a good. pair of shoes, you know, so. That's um, so that's one thing our family's kind of trying to engage with him a little bit. His name is Joshua, but, um, hmm. but I got asked literally a few minutes ago to do this, so. <laughs> um, I guess it's better not having any prep time, maybe, <laughs> to worry about it. But um, about five and a half, six years ago, our family started getting involved with a neighborhood called Alexander Oaks. You guys have probably driven by it 
hundreds of times. It's a neighborhood right behind the post office at like 290 and kind of by small middle school, that old post office by small middle school. There's a little neighborhood back there called Alexander Oaks and it's subsidized housing. And um, a friend of mine who had moved into a neighborhood close to there, she was like, I wanna help people. Who, who are the people near me that need help? Right here in my community. She found that neighborhood. She just started going door to door, meeting the families. And then she just started putting emails out and said, hey, who wants to come with me? I'm gonna do this every Thursday. Who wants to come with me? And I was like, well, you know, our family's always talking about how can we help, you know, and this is right here basically in our, it was a couple neighborhoods away from where we lived. And we started going on Thursdays and, it kind of, the way into the neighborhood was we said, you know, we're gonna help with tutoring. We're gonna help and just kind of, we'll come in and help your kids with schoolwork. Mm. That really wasn't our heart to like be there long-term to just help with schoolwork. We really wanted to impact lives and tell them about Jesus, but um, that was kind of our in. So we just started going faithfully on Thursdays, five and a half, six years ago, and started engaging with these kids and started engaging with the families. and. Um, there was one family in particular that I really started to get to know, and it was a single mom. Um, at that time, she had six kids, four different dads, and life's, life was hard for her. And her oldest kiddo at that time was about 14, and uh, kind of got to know the whole family, but I really just felt connected. I'm going to try really hard not to say her name. She still lives kind of in the area. So... Um, just really connect, had a deep connection with her quickly, and we started bringing some of the kiddos to youth group where my kids were going to youth group at the time. And um, flash forward six years later, I'm still just showing up and loving on her. And it's not about me; it's about me saying yes to Jesus and just helping her. And she's pregnant with number two. She has a, a nine-month-old, and she's due in about a month. And I'm telling you what, life is hard for her. Mm. Um, life is very hard, and I don't always know how to help, and I don't always, well, I never have the right answers, but I just keep showing up. And I guess that's why they asked me to be here, but um, mm. I don't want to make it about me. I just want to just help others see that it's really not about knowing what to do, but just showing up. That's so. awesome. Thank you. Oh. Andrew? Thank you, Lindley. Lindley's really cool. <laughs> um... <laughs> I'll say one more thing to your question. That was such a good question. I think we all give like really practical, like tangible things. Um, sometimes we can't go buy cottage cheese. Uh, does anybody want cottage cheese anymore? Is that? Um, I, I think the most simple thing is you acknowledge that they're a human being. You give them a smile. You make eye contact. I think if we don't have time, which is just a reality, we still acknowledge that they exist. I think that's a great thing that all of us can do. Um, so my story on getting involved um, in like a world of, of compassion is I was in seminary, which is like grad school to become a pastor, and I was working at a church, all places where God should move, um, but it was in a really unexpected place that I felt like God was really tugging on me. It was at uh, Starbucks where I was working part-time, and there was a chronically homeless older lady who had pretty severe dementia. That was just a character. She would smoke outside and be kicked out like every day. Our manager just couldn't stand her. Um, and I would sneak expired pastries out and hang out with her. And this lady just, she was so dynamic. She knew so many people. And she then disappeared. And I couldn't find her. And I was working at the church. And we were like giving out sandwiches to the homeless in this park. And just not really doing anything, you know. 
and I realized uh, that this lady was housed through the city, and it just like rocked me that the city was housing the homeless, um, and our church was just like giving out bologna sandwiches. And um, it just had this shift of, like, what is God's kingdom, you know? And so um, for me, it, it was just like a left turn where I still was, like, engaged in, in the church world and in ministry, but um, I sort of moved towards the social worker route and started working at a nonprofit to help homeless families. And now I work at an agency that helps uh, foster youth and youth who age out of foster care and homeless youth. That's awesome. Thank you, Andrew. I'm just thankful for all of He's you. He's a cool dude. He is a cool dude. Oh, wait. Go ahead. Ted. What? I have a question for you. <laughs> all right, go for it. All of us have this sort of similar, um, I, I don't know, experience where all of us encountered mm-hmm. someone really from like a different world place. Um, mm-hmm. But honestly, when, when this all came up, literally it was like 925 that this came up, and, and we had this idea of this panel. I thought Ted should be on the panel, because I think Ted is really someone who does this well. But it doesn't necessarily look like us. Mm-hmm. I feel like Ted loves people on the margins in our everyday community. It looks like a lot of us. A lot of us have been served by Ted. I know we have. So hmm. what does compassion look like for you? <laughs> and how do, like, what does margin mean for you? Those are good questions. Um, I would say for me, it's uh, something that God's put on my heart, probably for an early age, and that is just being aware of those around me. And uh, I think every day we run into folks, and either we hear their need of something they, they have, or they, they, they might just, uh, you don't may hear it, but you see that there is a need there. Um, and so part of that is just when we see that is we can become it and we can pray about it. Those are both good things to do. But I've always believed that can we do something about it? Is there something simple we can do, a simple act of love that would show that person that God loves them? And, uh, you know, we have, we've been blessed. I see Alma back here, Alma and Maria, two of our custodians here uh, that work at Covington and do just an absolutely, uh, an amazing job and um, if you all, some of you remember with Maria, um, as she shared, it's, part of it is just to seeing that and asking their story. I, I noticed that Maria was just really quiet one day, and I just asked, what, asked her what was on her heart, and she just told me how sick her mother was down in Mexico, and how she couldn't be with her mom, and the barriers that were preventing her from doing that. Um, so part of it is asking that, and then um, seeing maybe how you be a part of, of the answer of that. Um, and it's also to the folks in, in this church. We have just, uh, this, this community is amazing. When people ask about the vine, one of the first things I tell them, what I love about the vine are the people. All of you that are here, these folks, and um, I love that when we can see each other and there's a need to help out. And maybe that's just driving somewhere to be with somebody um, to sit with somebody. You know, I think a lot of times it prevents a lot of us, and we think, well, maybe the professional person or a pastor could handle that. But a lot of it is, and what you all have been sharing, is the ministry of presence. You, like you said, you kept showing up. All three of you, that was a common thing in that. 
And it's not necessarily always having the right words to say, but it's being there for people. And there is one opportunity here of Covington needs mentors for their, some of the students here in the school. And I was asked last spring to be a mentor to a, a, a sixth grader who was having trouble staying in school. And, um, and, and just to be a part of that, it's 30 minutes a week, but I get to spend time with this young man, and, and it's every week. And to see what God is doing there is just wonderful. And I share that for two reasons, part of the answer, but part of it is, if there's anybody here, I was just made aware of this last week, that they have another young man who's a seventh grader um, who really needs a male figure as a mentor. And again, it's 30 minutes a week. And if you would come talk to me after the service, please, that would be wonderful to come alongside this young man. So I think it's really, it's, it's seeing, it's hearing, it's saying yes to step out there and then, God, how can you use me? Thank you, Ted. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> what would you all say that, uh, back to you all, and this, anybody can answer this, or if there is a thing that really stuck out to you that what you really learned, that got something that God taught you from doing what we're called to do um, and, and, and loving those who are in the marginalized. What would you say something you've learned through that? Well, I've learned a lot, but um, I think one of the things I've learned is that it's messy. Hmm. It's really messy helping people who are marginalized. And, um, and I also have learned how little I know. Um, I was raised in a blessed home and we had our needs taken care of and I am very clueless, I'm a little more aware now, of just how hard it is to be poor and to be marginalized and how many challenges they face. Um, and it's messy and the easy thing to do when we were showing up once a week there, um, the easy thing to do when things got really hard was I kind of wanted to just stop going. <laughs> I just wanted to stop going because it was hard and there was so much brokenness. And you see these cycles repeating that I am not able on my own to change these cycles, these generational cycles of abuse and poverty. And, um, and actually for a while I did stop going. I'll admit that. For a while I was like, mm. I'm done. I'm sick of these people. I'm being taken advantage. I mean, this is just, I'll confess, I was just tired. I was tired of being taken advantage of. <laughs> so for a while, I did stop showing up. Um, but God kept drawing me back towards this one girl and her family. And so, um, you know, after a little bit of space apart, um, kind of just got involved more directly with this one girl. And um, yeah, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> what have we learned? <laughs> um, that it's hard. It's hard mm. and it's messy and the easy answer is to give up, but um, it's not on my own strength. It's just praying and seeing what the next step is. Mm. I don't have long-term answers for her. You know, she doesn't have a job. She's got this second baby coming. There's just not enough help and resources. And I'm so, you know, she's so close to homelessness and it's I don't have these wonderful answers to just solve all her problems, but I can help her with next steps mm -hmm. and we can make plans and I can help her with some vision casting for her future and try to help her see that she doesn't have to be stuck and give her hope. So, I mean, I can just speak mm -hmm. from my one experience with this girl, but um, yeah, just um, just keep, keep moving forward with it. So. That's awesome. Uh, one thing that I've learned is um, 
how similar we are to them. You know, the difference between a marginal on uh, the street and us is we have a safety net. You know, if Mike gets in trouble or Louise gets in trouble or alcohol or anything affects our lives, we lose our job, we get an injury, um, we have a safety net. We're not going to fall to the street. You have family, you have friends, you have your vine communities. We're just not going to fall to the street more than likely. There are other people that just, they don't have that safety net. That's their next step. And that's really the only difference between us and some of the uh, brothers and sisters on the street. And one thing else I learned too is, not to forget about the gospel. I mean, they're at different, like us all, right? We're all at different faith journeys. And, you know, we lead with God's love and we lead with the gospel. And, you know, we might have the, it's kingdom work. And we're all going to live somewhere forever. And so we have that opportunity to uh, speak the truth that God speaks through us and, and maybe change their path and, and tell them about the gospel. And we're eternity could be for them. Um, to me, that we just, I just don't want to forget about the gospel while I'm there. And I think a lot of that comes from listening. Like Lindley said, that not talking to them, you know, nobody's ever talked into the kingdom of heaven, right? They're listened into the kingdom of heaven. It's just listening to them and, and, um, and, and the work's going to go on, right? I mean, God's work, kingdom work, it's going to happen. It, you know, it's not about us and God's going to do it with or without us. But as the Vine community, I kind of challenge you, why not us? Why, why can't it be us doing it? I mean, it's going to get done, right? But let's do it together. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Andrew? I feel so unworthy to be up here. Those are like <laughs> such good <laughs> answers. Awesome. Um, I would like echo both of these things. I think <clears throat> um, poverty is so complex, and I, I think... I just grew up with such a privileged life, like, hmm. and I, as I started to, to interact with this community, it, I struggle, I still struggle with it. Like, hmm. I didn't choose this, I don't deserve it. Like, I went to Baylor debt-free, I and mean, that's ridiculous, right? It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and then I think I had these judgments hmm. on people struggling with homelessness that, well, they're not doing enough. Um, and then I, I began to see um, young kids who, who were on the streets, and I think what I learned um, is that those adults were once young kids, likely, and that this is systemic, that there are things in our society that keep people um, from raising up. Mm. And uh, I, I don't know what to do with it. I still don't. It's so complex. Mm. Um, but um, like Kent said, um, God is present in the brokenhearted, in the meek, in the vulnerable. And so not only do we listen, but I think we see God mm. um, when we interact in those spaces. I think we have so much to learn. I think, in, and I can't speak for everybody, but I can speak for myself, in my, my comfortable, easy life, yeah. um, it's really hard to depend on God. And you go out where there's more, more vulnerability, and I think we have so much to learn. I have so much to learn um, from what that looks like. That's true. So. Uh, and I would say for myself, what I've learned is that when it's loving others and serving others, it's not convenient. It's not like, okay, I'm going to schedule that in for 9 a.m. tomorrow, and then I'll do it, right? It's usually when we're in the midst of, a lot of times, our busiest times. I, if if you all remember the story that 
Mark shared, where that, you know, he's walking, Jesus is walking through, and he's actually going to a very important person's house um, whose child is sick. He's going that way, and this woman who is in that time, in that culture, was considered unclean, right, reaches out and touches his robe. Um, and she, Jesus could have kept walking, right? Healing power, go through the robe, take care of that. I got this other one to go to. Someone's real important. And yet he stops, right? And he stops and has that conversation with her. Or I think of when Jesus is walking and, you know, and he sees Zacchaeus in the tree. And Zacchaeus comes down and Jesus goes, I want to go to your house, Zacchaeus. And so I think that it, it comes to, it's, it's not convenient, but it's also relational. And I love what you said about, about it, it, it's the gospel. We have a chance to share that. And we have that opportunity to share the truth about Jesus Christ, his love, his grace and mercy through relationship. And it's building a relationship over time. So that's wonderful. Last question um, for y'all is, what would you say would be an encouragement for everybody here today? You know, some people can maybe hear this and they'll, man, that's great, Kim, that you stop by and you see someone who's homeless or something. But what's a word of encouragement that you can give to our Vine family? I look out and I think so many of you guys, I don't know how we got up here, but I see a family that is committed to going to predominantly Muslim country and living there with their family. I see moms holding babies that probably didn't sleep last night. There are teachers of middle school students. That's crazy. There are people who have gone through um, serious illnesses. Um, I mean, this isn't just helping the chronically homeless. This is being a friend to someone who's lonely. This is being um, a partner to someone who's going through depression or, or mental health crisis. Um, one quick story in a small group a couple weeks ago, we were promoting the service event. And I don't know if the person's in here. I don't want to put them on the spot. But they said, like, I don't know if I can go. And I, I just feel so guilty that I can't go to the Packing Hope thing. And, and I just, like, those events are great. They're really great. Everybody should sign up to do that because we need people to do it. <laughs> Um, and perhaps serving Africa is your thing. Some, of, some families here, that is your thing, and that's amazing. But that's not going to be all of our things. There are things that we go to once a year or every six months or we give to every six months. But I do think if we're following Jesus and you're living in this broken world, something along the way is going to not sit well with you. Something is going to say, I can't stand this. I don't like that there are kids who are trafficked, or I don't like that you name it. There's cancer, there's this, there's whatever it is. And I think what this looks like is stepping into that discomfort and saying, what redemption, what hope, how does resurrection impact this? Because uh, we believe that there's life. We believe mm. that there's hope and we believe that there's restoration. So I think you pay attention to that discomfort mm. and then you enter into that gap. That's awesome. Thank you. Either of you? Word of encouragement to the folks? No? Oh, keep that up. I would say, for me, it's um, how do we best show our love for God? And, and I think it's any, any one of those scenarios that we just discussed and many, many more, but it's how we love his people. That's how we best show our love for him. It's how we love his people. And I think that kind of is the tone that we all shared this morning. That's awesome. And I think it's just remembering that we don't have to have the answers. We don't have to have the answers. We just need to step out in obedience. Um, 
and it doesn't have to look, I think one of you, it doesn't have to look like what your neighbor's doing, you know, it doesn't have to, you don't have to go to some far off country, you know, it's just looking around you, it's seeing what the needs are, and I think a phrase I heard recently is that real giving is slow giving, it's easy to write a check, it's easy to throw a granola bar out your window if you slow down, you know, but the real giving, it's relational, it's showing up, it's not being a savior, it's just being there, and it's just being willing to walk through this with them. So you don't need any special skills, you don't need any special you know, equipping, you just need to follow Jesus and just make sure that you are being obedient and glorifying God in what you do and you're pointing others to Jesus. So sounds kind of altruistic, but I think we make things too complicated. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think we just make, I think we make helping too complicated when it really just needs to be doing what God's calling you to do, so. Well said. Thank you. Can, you give, can we give these folks just a big round of applause? That's awesome. Thank you, guys. I'll wrap it up. Thank you. Thank you. You should go to the Packing Hope event next Saturday. <laughs> we really need people, and uh, it's going to be awesome. It is going to be great. Uh, thank you guys, and um, you know, and it really is, when we're called to be the, the eyes, the hands, and the feet of Jesus Christ, and we follow, when we're following Jesus together, we are demonstrating that, and so, um, band's up here, and we're about to, to go to the Lord's table, and uh, to, to, to be fed, to be nourished, to go out and do the work that God has called us to, um, I'm going to try to do this without glasses, so. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Seeing a person in need. Wow. That makes such a difference. Um, <laughs> then he will say, for, where, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me, uh, you, when I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. Um, I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. But whatever we do for the least of these, we do for the glory of God and what Jesus has called us to. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your amazing love for one of us. And God, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to walk upon this earth, to show us who you are and to demonstrate your love and your grace and your mercy. And God, we thank you as we just see throughout Scripture as Jesus just loving people, right loving those who have been pushed aside.
And God, you've called us to do the same. And so, Father, as we prepare our hearts now to, to come to your table, we pray that, Lord, we are reminded of your grace and your mercy. Jesus, not, not only did you live and show us how to live and how to love, but ultimately you gave the greatest demonstration of dying on the cross for our sins and restoring us into a right relationship with you. And that's what, Lord, we are reminded of here at this table. We thank you, God, for that. And may each one of us be able to talk and may be able to show others the reason for the hope that we have in you. God, open our eyes to those around us. Open our ears that we may listen. God, we love you. Take us and make us vessels that you can use to love others. We pray this in Jesus' powerful and holy name. Amen.